Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and emotion sickness. With us in our virtual studio is Dr. Ari Tuckman. Uh, we're going to get into the meat of the show in a minute, but real quickly, we are grateful uh, that our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And celebrating that event, we are anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours is simple. Just listen to our show. We're going to share a secret word a couple times through the show. Write it down. Listen to another show. Write down the secret word of that show. So you have two secret words. Then email me. Uh, attention at attentiontalkradio.com uh, with those two secret words, and we will get it off the chat, and we will get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and we will send you uh, the next a PDF copy of the next edition when it is printed. Because our program is being brought to you by Chad, we're going to run a little tip, and uh, we'll get into the show. So here we go. Are you a young adult newly diagnosed with ADHD or who is transitioning to independent adulthood? We know all too well the highs and lows that come with independently managing your ADHD. Chad's Adult to Adult Education and Training Program offers self-paced and on-demand training courses to support you in living and thriving with adult ADHD. To learn more, visit us at chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So our topic tonight is ADHD and emotion sickness, and uh, this is a perfect topic that uh, Whenever I, I come up with these ideas, um, Ari Tuckman is the place to go. And Ari Tuckman is one of our favorite guests. He's been on more than anybody. I'm a big fan of him. He's a, he's a thought leader. Uh, he's a clinical psychologist who specializes in diagnosing and treating children, teens, and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He's the author of four books, including his newest one, ADHD After Dark, Best Sex Life, Better Relationship. Uh, he's a frequent speaker and has given more than 400 presentations on ADHD and other topics. He has over 100 episodes and more than 2 million downloads of his More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. He's a former member of the National uh, Board of Chad and a current conference chair. For more information, go to his, his website, uh, adultadhdbook.com. And with that, Dr. Talkman, welcome to the show. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're my, you're my favorites on one of these topics. Um, we're kind of riffing this a little bit because uh, I have to say, I've been doing this for 10 years, Attention Talk Radio, and it's kind of funny because our anniversary was like literally 10 years ago. You were one of the first when we did our first uh, Attention Talk Radio show officially on uh, 
<laughs> shouting out, disclosing ADHD or not. So it's it's uh, it's great to have you back on the show in so many times and to cover topics like this. And I have to tell you, over the last decade, one of the things that has been most profound to me that I've learned is the role emotions play in ADHD. And I learned a lot of that from Dr. Russell Barkley. And emotions used to be a part of the diagnostic criteria for ADD uh, before 1970, and they were taken out. And I understand it's because it was difficult to measure, and so they just excluded it. And now we're realizing it's a big part of it, and emotional self-regulation is a huge piece of it. We've done lots of shows with Dr. David Now on Fight, Flight, or Freeze, um, Sesame Street, among others, and you and I have talked around it. But I'm kind of teeing this up because I think a lot of people with ADHD sometimes struggle more with emotional regulation than regulating their attention. And one of the things that's interesting to me is when the emotion is a challenge, it actually impacts the attention time, attention side. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You know, how, how well your attention works is based on a whole lot of stuff, including, you know, how much sleep did you get? How long have you been doing what you're doing? How interesting is it versus what else you could be doing? But absolutely, when our emotions are fired up, it's that much harder to pay attention. Like our emotions absolutely affect our attention. Um, but it's sort of, it's an interesting thing because, you know, it, not to be too simplistic, but the attention executive function side of ADHD, it's like if you don't get things done, people will be disappointed. You know, like that's true. But it's the emotional dysregulation that that really will cause problems in relationships, whether it's romantic or with family or coworkers or so, you know, this emotional piece, I think we've been ignoring and and like that's a problem. I think, you know, like we're doing a disservice by ignoring that piece of it. When, when you're working with people on their emotions, do you have a general like thought process or, or kind of way you approach people to help them become aware of emotions? Um, yeah, I mean, I often sort of, I don't know, I sort of think of things in stages often, I guess. So, you know, one of the things that I think about is if part of that kind of emotional reactivity is being driven by kind of bad circumstances. So in other words, feeling the pressure of the deadline, scrambling to get it done, not getting enough sleep, um, not having time for good self-care of like, you know, diet and exercise and, and, you know, maybe a bit of relaxation and kind of, you know, like that all sets the stage to be more reactive probably in a negative way. You know, mm-hmm. so like, so there's definitely, so some of it is that it's like setting the stage in such a way to kind of lengthen your fuse because yep. all the rest of that, like, you know, be mindful and aware and whatever, like that's so much harder when we're, you know, at our worst. So, so I think that sometimes that's the first point of intervention, but, you know, of course we know part of ADHD makes it harder to do that stuff that makes it easier to manage your ADHD. Yep. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, like absolutely I recognize that and I don't expect perfection or anything else, but, you know, to really just sort of begin there And then I think you get into some of the, I don't know, I mean, some of it is that kind of mindful awareness in the moment of like, wait, what's going on around me? What's going on inside me? What am I reacting to? And trying to sort of slow it down a little bit um, and, you know, kind of bring that focus in for a moment. Um, But there's also that other piece of, 
you know, folks with ADHD are, are, especially if it's not well managed, are more often on the receiving end of somebody else's negative emotion. And, mm-hmm. you know, it can then create a situation where you pretty easily jump to, oh, here we go again. Yep. He's going to be pissed. Um, and then, you know, that evokes its own reaction. And, you know, of course, with any long-term relationship, we kind of fall into these automatic habits where, you know, the other person hasn't even noticed, but you're already, you know, halfway through the fight in your head, you yep. know, and then it creates the fight. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean, there's that whole piece of it as well. So one, one of the things, and everybody, I'm a coach and um, uh, Dr. Tuckman is a psychologist. And so we have different, there's different realms and stuff like that, but it's kind of funny because we've had shows before about um, therapy and coaching and, and um, cognitive behavioral therapy and how at the end of the day, I think it was you that said what works, works. A good idea is a good idea. And so I'm just kind of sharing yeah. that difference. One of the things that I do is I explain ADHD, I mean, emotions as a reflexive reaction. Like you go to the doctor's office and they hit your knee with that little hammer and your leg swings out kind of automatically. And I talk about it like that because I talk about being that, that more primitive brain, that dopamine-seeking brain. And people with ADHD struggle with that, with the primitive brain. And they have to – the idea is to pause and use the executive functioning brain to override – the primitive brain. And so that idea is when you get hit by that, that hammer, the only way you're going to stop your knee from swinging out is to inhibit that. And it's kind of effortful. And one of the things that I like to explain is that when you have a, a, a reflexive reaction with emotion, you jump past the thinking part and you jump to a conclusion or you dwell on an outcome and you skip over the thinking part and there's analysis isn't done. And so mm-hmm. as, I, as I explain to them often, the idea really is to downregulate and pause and think about what's kind of going on. When we did my interview with uh, Autumn Zatani and Sesame Street, they taught um, – they use the Muppets to teach uh, preschoolers to, to feel the emotion in their body and pause and belly breathe and count to three to downregulate the emotion. And then they were supposed to brainstorm and kind of come up with an answer. And so – kind of how it plays out as I was coaching somebody recently and they were in a relationship and there was a, they were upset because they were watching TV or whatever. And I don't know, in one part of the room, it was hot and the woman wanted to turn down the air conditioner and her husband got like, was like, no upset. And she just started calling him names or want to run out of the room because she was frustrated because emotionally she wanted the air to be cool. When I said, well, wait a second, why is he resistant? She said, well, I guess that he's advocating for the budget to keep the air conditioning down. I said, oh, so yeah, that's actually a good thing. And as we began to talk about it, we began to thought, hey, you know, at the end of the day, you guys have fought this thing a, a bunch of times before. You haven't really walked in and said, tell you what, maybe we should either switch ends of the couch with, I don't know why one and was cooler, or maybe we should sacrifice something to lower the air conditioning and the problem solve. And I'm using that this little discussion as an example, if you pause and you actually think through the process, often you, 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 I mean, you can get to a different solution, but that reflexive reaction where we jump to judgment or like I talk to people about when you call yourself a procrastinator, you're judging yourself or shaming yourself. And I found in my work that, I don't know, 75% of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity. You, you don't know what to do. You don't know where something is. You don't know how long it's going to take. And if you stop and you analyze it, usually there's a legitimate reason. But people with ADHD have to stop and go through that thinking part 
which often requires you to gauge your working memory. We've done a lot of shows on that, which is really effortful. So they skip to the end, and that perpetuates itself. And I kind of like to explain it in that little analytical terms, but we get back to it. It goes back to being mindful and kind of catching yourself. So I try to do it in that logical type thing so they understand what's going on so that we can understand what that pause and stuff is about. Thoughts on that? Does that make sense to you or got anything to add? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, I think what made it hard for your client and her husband is at that moment, she sort of jumped ahead and was emotionally activated. She responds to him in an emotionally activated way. So, of course, he responds back in the same kind of a way. So, in an ideal world, they would have had that conversation beforehand. Let's talk about how to balance comfort and budget. and have the conversation that you said, like, let's actually have that conversation. Now, none of us are perfect. So, you know, option two is they have it in the moment, which is, of course, the hardest place. So option three, then, what we're left with is at least afterwards, whether it's five seconds later or tomorrow or next week, but somebody comes back and says, you know what, this seems to be a recurring problem let's really talk this out and figure out what we're going to do. And, you know, often in relationships, it's not about right or wrong in the sense of like objective fact that we can look up on the internet, right? It's Mm -hmm. more about preferences and different desires and, you know, especially things like, you know, temperature of like, you know, different people have different sense of temperature. So like you cannot argue right or wrong on that. It's really a matter of, you know, I'm going to express my needs, you're going to express your needs, and between us, we're going to hold it together enough to come to some sort of agreement. Um, So even if you're not awesome in the moment, that's okay if you're good at coming back afterwards. Mm -hmm. And in the coming back afterwards, start by owning your piece of it. Like, don't come back after and say, you know, you were really blah, 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 right? Because then you're going to be right back to it. So start by owning your piece. I understand, like, I know I, whatever I did, but, you know, I think also when you blah, 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 you know, that's not helpful either. Right. So you make it into a joint problem and a thing where we each set each other off, but we can be better than that. So let's figure out what to do next time. Um, And that ability to fix things is really, really important. If you tend to be impulsive in the moment, all those, frankly good for all of us touche <laughs> touche um that, that impulsivity in the moment i want to kind of come back to that but first i want to go to a break everybody our secret word tonight is actually ari um since it's 10 year anniversary of us kind of working together on the show our secret word is ari and please check out ari's website at adultadhdbook.com and with that we'll be right back after these messages your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer, Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents, and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. 
Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change the lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman having a conversation about the role emotions play for those with ADHD, and our title of our show is ADHD and Emotion Sickness. And just really trying to use that as a way to get everybody's attention that uh, emotions can be a big challenge for people with ADHD. And often it starts emotions like, I feel, I feel, I feel. And uh, before the break, we were talking just about kind of emotions and stuff a little bit and giving some context. One of the things that, that I find interesting, Ari, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is often I find a lot of cl- clients talking about I feel I feel I feel and I find that they're projecting judgment back on themselves in other words what that is is they're in a situation and they are dealing with somebody and they're imagining the person interpreting them and they project negative back on themselves so they don't they've never talked to the person about something like maybe wanted to go to the movies and the person said no but they project back on themselves that they don't like them or something and that, that's a feeling and an emotion maybe based off of the past, but at the end of the day, they haven't really – they don't, might, might have any evidence on that, but it paralyzes them. Do you find that in your work? And if so, like how do you deal with it or, or, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's, that is absolutely a thing that happens. And you know, part of it – I mean it comes out of a good thing in the sense that um, – you know, for most of us who have empathy and perspective taking, we don't mm-hmm. have to ask someone how they feel and how they're going to react because we can sort of predict it, you know. Um, yep. So it's that basic ability of social skills that we can know if I do this, you know, to my wife, this is how she's probably going to respond. Um, so that's good. Um, and of course, you know, some folks out there maybe who are a bit more on the spectrum have less of that ability. Um, where it becomes a problem is we sometimes make the assumption and assume it to be true, um, or we'll swear up and down that it's true when it isn't, you know, like we're off the mark. That's not necessarily what the other person believes, or it's, there's kind of like other reasons for it, um, you know, so in other words, it's not that I don't want to go to the movies with you. It's that it's the way that you asked it. Or at the last minute, I don't want to do it. Or mm-hmm. I have these other things going on. So, like, we make assumptions all the time. And, you know, part of what we do in therapy is to get people to actually check those assumptions. Is there real truth in it? Um, because sometimes there isn't. Um, you know, or sometimes you're overreading it, or there's other nuances that are really important. And, and, um, so checking those assumptions, like, 
is what you do on my side. I back up and say, well, wait a second. You know, you're projecting that judgment back on yourself. What's the reality of it? And it's interesting because in working with people, some people are a little resistant to really wanting to check those assumptions or think about it. They really, they catastrophize mm-hmm. it in their brain, which is an emotion and really kind of gets them stuck. And I find it's, it happens a lot where people are projecting judgment back on themselves and we have the conversation, but it's really difficult to get people to kind of pause and let go and think their way through it because often they're, they're wrong more often than right because every once in a while they are. But it's a big challenge for them because I think there's an emotion within that emotion that kind of kind of keeps them stuck. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, like it is an interesting thing that – you know, there are some folks more than others, although we all have this ability, to get sort of stuck on what we're convinced on, not to be proven otherwise. You know, despite the fact that there's contradictory evidence, sometimes we hold on to the belief. We're like, no, I know this is to be true. Or we somehow, we find reasons to disprove the opposing evidence so that we can hold on to the thing that we believe. Um so, you know, I think it's, it's important to have a little bit of, of an ability to step back and maybe not in the heat of the moment, but perhaps afterwards as you sort of think for yourself or maybe in a conversation with someone else to maybe consider that there is a different way here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also something here, you know, I'll, I'll give sort of a counterexample to this kind of projecting that we all do is, you know, sometimes it's okay. It's okay to feel okay about yourself or your action, even if the other person doesn't, right? So like, um, and I'm not saying you should be sort of callous to others, or you should just be a bulldozer or oblivious or whatever, like, you know, definitely you don't want to take this too far. But, you know, I think a part of happiness, I think a part of feeling good about yourself, I think a part of not you know, picking every battle in a relationship is to recognize, you know what, I understand this other person feels negatively about this thing that I do, but you know what, I'm kind of okay with it. You know, like I, I feel, I feel okay. Like I accept that this is all right. So Mm -hmm. this is like a stupid example, but you know, there's a bunch of old bands that I listen to that I think are great. Like I really enjoy them. I don't sign on to everything that they say in their lyrics, but like, whatever, you know, I can enjoy it. For my wife, it sort of baffles her. And she's like, this is so terrible. I don't understand why you like this. Right. But that's fine. Like, I don't have to feel bad about the fact that I like it because I do. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I may not play it on the speakers when she's around, but that's fine, you know, so like we can feel differently about this. And, you know, there's also an element here for folks with ADHD who are too often in a position of kind of disappointing others, you know, why are you late again kind of a thing. Um, you know, there, there can sometimes be this setup where the person with ADHD is somehow made responsible for managing the other person's disappointment. In other words, I get really angry when you're late. It's your job to make sure I'm not angry. And again, you want to be considerate in relationships, but there comes a point maybe for the person with ADHD to say, you know what, I understand that me being late isn't great, but here's the deal. I'm working really hard on it, and I'm never going to be the person who is always on time. That's just not a reasonable assumption. And sometimes I'm going to be late. You know, like you have – 
you know, obviously you can choose to be upset about it, but at this point you shouldn't be surprised by it. Like stop expecting the impossible. I will not promise what I can't do. So I'm probably going to be late. If that is an issue for you, maybe we need to stop doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it's not the person, the person with ADHD is not their job to make sure that the other person is never upset about it. Right. Half of that job is the other person's to manage their own frustration or to do what they need to do so that they're not disappointed. Oh, I got to love this. So in this moment, turn the curve here a little bit, because often the person with AD has some stuff with the non-ADD person has got some emotions around or judgment around something that they're doing. And I want to hold that thought because I want to come back after the break. And I want to kind of get into that a little bit because I have worked with some people and find this to really be beneficial. So let's go to break and come back with that. Again, our secret word tonight is Ari. Again, our secret word tonight is Ari. And uh, you got to love his stuff, Ari's great books, uh, podcasts, everything you can get off of his website. So go to adultadhdbook.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman have a spirited conversation on ADHD and emotions. And... Uh, before the break, we were, we were talking about emotions, both in the person with ADHD and the other person that you might be dealing with. And I hope I can articulate this right, but I'm going to give an, a, a, a situation that happens a lot. I'll get a phone call from a parent of a college student uh, who has ADHD, the, the student does, and the parent's upset. And they're kind of off the charts, off the rail. My son's lazy. He's unmotivated. And there's a lot of frustration that's kind of going on. And I'll stop and I'll go, you know, ADHD is an issue of self-regulation. And you want your kid to manage themselves, maybe their anger. But do you realize right now that you have an emotional self-regulation problem because you're shaming, blaming, and, you know, you're raising your voice to this person so you want them to self-regulate do you realize that in this moment you need to self-regulate first and it catches them by surprise and i'm like well you know you're having the problem that you're complaining about right now and i try to get their attention because they've got to take care of i mean they're literally yelling at somebody with ADHD doesn't make any sense and at the same time sometimes some people and i'm just using this as an example 
they might get upset because a person with ADHD is late. Well, they have an emotional issue like, oh, my God, you disrespect my time, blah, 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 blah. Again, that's an emotional feeling, and that's a judgment that they're projecting on themselves, where it might not be the case with a person with ADHD, but in that situation, the ADD person always kind of feels bad. And the reason I'm explaining this is sometimes when you've got ADHD, realizes that you struggle with emotions, but also your environment, I mean, people – are upset with you because they're having a hard time with their emotions. They're frustrated and they kind of can't calm down. And sometimes you just like, listen, this person's just frustrated person in life. Maybe the, they got the, the dog, the boss yelled at them or something like this. This has nothing to do with me. And again, it's a tool really for them to kind of catch themselves and manage their emotions by realizing the person that they deal with is emotional themselves. Thoughts on that, Dr. Tucker? Yeah, yeah I think it, you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, that situation of I get angry because you're always late or whatever, right? Like, yeah, there is some plausibility. Like, there is a logic to that. People tend to get angry when someone is late or when their kid doesn't do their work or whatever, right? So it's not completely insane. But it becomes a question of, you know, it's that old right or happy, you know? Um, so, you know, should your kid do more of his homework? Probably, right? That's probably true. Uh, and yet, here we are. It seems like him doing his homework consistently isn't working. And I'm not saying that we let him off the hook, but, but clearly something needs to be different, either in the approach or perhaps in the expectations. And I think when people get really kind of angry, and especially when they get kind of moralistic or they stand on a high horse about something, it, it feels empowering, right? Because like, damn it, I'm right. Um, except it's a setup for more frustration, you know? So like there comes a point where it's like, maybe you would be happier by disengaging a little bit, like disconnecting your happiness from, you know, what happens with your kid's homework or whatever the situation mm -hmm. is. Um, and to kind of let go of it must, this must happen with his homework in order for me to be happy. Um, you know, so it's that old balancing act between what do I try to change and what do I try to accept? Um, and what can, what's hard with ADHD, especially before it gets diagnosed and really understood, is that it's seen as, as like a voluntary thing. You know, like if he chose to do his homework, then he would. He's not doing his homework because he's choosing not to. And if I get mad enough about it, then he'll choose to do it, which is, in this case, a flawed premise, but it's not completely unreasonable. So this is where sometimes the diagnosis helps you better understand what's happening and therefore better understand what your options are and what's reasonable to expect going forward. It's, it's, it's funny because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to – the way you articulate it, I agree with 100%. I, I'm going to try to illustrate it in a, in a different way. Uh, everybody, it's going to – let me go through it first. Often, a, like, a parent will say their kid's lazy and unmotivated, which to me is a, an emotional label. At the end of the day, they're, they're, they're saying they're not motivated because they should be doing their homework. When I'm sitting there going, well, I'm, I'm, they're motivated. They're motivated to play Xbox. So it's like you're not stopping and looking at the facts. The issue is it's not that they're not motivated. They are motivated. They're just more motivated to play Xbox. And if you begin to stop and think about that, now you're in a situation where you can do something about it, okay? 
as long as Xbox around, they're motivated to play Xbox and they're not going to do their homework. So how do we change the environment a little bit to make it easier for them to regulate on their homework? And I say that, Ari, because in that moment, you take away the emotions and quit just like labeling everybody and you problem solve and go, hmm, now you're in a position where you actually can do something about it as opposed to just yelling and screaming and expecting – what's that definition of keep doing the same thing? Definition of insanity right. is keep doing the same, th- same thing and expecting a different outcome, which goes back to some of your – sometimes you have to adjust expectations and sometimes you've got to back up and think through what's going on because the emotions really tend to not help very much. Um, particularly when you put an enormous amount of pressure on somebody with ADHD, you're putting pressure on them to get something done, and maybe they respond in that moment or maybe they don't. But I know this is pressure tends to paralyze people with ADHD. So while you think you're doing some good, it actually kind of backfires. So anyway, the point yeah. really here is is to illustrate kind of what you're saying. Sometimes you got to back up and you got to look at the situation and not just get emotionally involved. And if you have ADHD, it's about managing your emotions, but sometimes you've got to realize that the people that you're dealing with, you're taking the emotional brunt of their frustration and realize it's not you, it's them. And it's kind of their problem sometimes to, 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 to get out of yourself emotionally and to kind of stand back in to kind of manage it, which is it's easy for us to say, difficult to do, but we're really trying to, in this conversation, illuminate some of the things that are out there around emotion because as I've studied ADHD and as I've coached people, literally emotion is the elephant in the room because it permeates everything. If you're off the rails, it's difficult. And there's a, and a quote, I forget who said it, but it's, as your emotions increase, cognitive ability decreases. Which goes back to what I said at the beginning of this is some people struggle with regulating attention. Some struggle with regulating emotion, but the ones that struggle with the most with emotion, it's a cascading event because your cognitive ability kind of goes down, and it's just a big challenge. And a lot of what you do a lot and I do a lot is really trying to help people manage their emotions around it so they can focus. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you Um, know, there's this this idea of don't ask people to do more than they can do. So in other words, if your kid is screwing around on Xbox rather than doing homework, maybe we need to not put him into a situation where he has the option for both and we're expecting him to choose the better one. It's like, you know, if you're trying to eat more salads, don't have bacon cheeseburgers sitting next to the salad. You know? <laughs> um, or if someone is emotionally fired up, and we want them to have a good conversation, that's probably not going to work, right? Like that's too much self-control to expect out of people. You know, so that's the time to take a time out. Or if someone is totally sleep deprived, if they're stressed out about the deadline, again, you're not going to get the best out of them. So, so I think a lot of this is about, and you know, always easy to say, but, um, but it's about setting up a better situation so that people are not asked, to do more than they can reasonably do. I love what you said, which goes back to pausing, stepping out and thinking, problem solving, pausing, stepping out and thinking about expectations, thinking about what's going on and actually problem solve is one of the things I think is, it's a bit of a challenge for, for everybody, but it's really the, 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 the way to get there, but it starts with stopping and stepping out of the emotion and actually engaging your thought process. So yeah. need to wrap this up, Ari, any other thoughts around emotion and ADHD that, uh, that, that we can deal with in a minute or two or 
I mean, that, yeah, I mean, folks with ADHD wear their emotions on their sleeve a little bit more. They're a bit more in touch with their emotions. They're a bit more emotionally reactive to things. They feel their emotions more. And when we feel our emotions more, we're more likely to be driven to act on our emotions. So in some ways, this makes them a lot of fun to hang out with, right? Because they, they kind of bring the party, so to speak. Um, that's the good side, right? So we want to have as much of that as possible while at the same time trying to reduce some of the, the strife and the, you know, chaos and more of the negative emotions. So, you know, so some of it is creating a life that's a little bit more ordered so that there's less of that, like, panic of the moment kind of thing. I think some of it's about setting the right expectations. So if you're, if you have better expectations, you're, you, you are less likely to be frustrated or upset or bothered or whatever. Some of that, I think, is about not letting other people have unreasonable expectations of you. So, like, tell people, like, look, I will probably not be on time. Do not expect me to be on time. I'll do my best, but I probably won't be. And then I think it's about having those better reconnecting moments afterwards. So even if we lose it in this moment, to come back after and fix it. And if you're good at doing that, it'll save you a lot of the, you know, problems that come later. I couldn't describe that any better. Spot on. So, all right. As always, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's always fun to throw this stuff around with you. It, it's always a blast for everybody. Uh, our secret word tonight is Ari. Go check out his website at adultadhdbook.com. We hope that we have given you a lot to think about, a lot, to, a lot of insights here for you to kind of ponder and self-reflect. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.